Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the OFR Farm Report podcast. I think I got all those words in there. Yes? Okay, good. Uh, With me as always is my co-host, Matt Kritzberg. Hey Matt, how you doing? Yeah, uh, it's kind of spring training for us, too. At least you got the intro in in under 20 seconds, so there's no penalty involved. So good on you. Yeah, well, yeah, these umpires are going to make them turn this game around if they don't step in the box. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, fortunately, I was at the microphone and ready with eight seconds left to go, so everything's good. <laughs> yeah, to say there's been some uh, interesting uh, – Interesting things to pop up, right, with uh, this uh, this uh, pitch clock, which, you know, we saw this pretty extensively in the minor leagues last year, and I don't recall them being anywhere as weird as situations as already has kind of taken place in spring training. Like, uh, I think I saw sometime uh, recently a batter was um, tagged with a violation and the pitcher hadn't even, you know, towed the rubber yet. Yeah, and then, of course, we had the um, first game of spring training, I believe it was, when Cal Conley was called out for not being ready and alert with with eight seconds to go. Um, and it's not even like it's on him because it didn't seem like anybody knew what the rule was. <laughs> and they interviewed Setker after the game. He's like, oh, we didn't know anything about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently the, the – uh, so what threw Conley off was that the catcher was not in his crouch yet. So he was waiting for the catcher to – get ready and well you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to be in the box and the catcher if the catcher messes up then the catcher gets uh dinged for it but you know it's you know they'll they'll get it all straight uh, i don't know maybe they'll clarify some of the rules a little bit but i don't know by the time the minor leagues within the first couple weeks of i don't think anybody was really having a problem with it and i'm going to guess it's by the end of spring training you'll hardly see any any violations yeah, we've got three and a half weeks to go left in spring training, and I wouldn't be surprised if MLB came out with a couple of clarifications or tweaks to the rule before the season starts. But I don't see it being a major issue going forward, but there have been some seriously short games already, so I think everybody's happy with the time results, especially for spring training games, but it seems like they're going to be chopping a lot of time off once the season really starts. Yeah. I, I believe I saw in, in the uh, World Baseball Classic they're not going to be using the pitch clock. So it's going to be funny that the people that are are participating in that, they're going to get used to not having it again and then have to get back into it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that dynamic play out. Yeah, because uh, some of them will be thrown off. I mean, that some of them might only play a game or two, but some of them might be doing it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> That'll prove to be very interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, we've seen a couple of weeks now of, um, of uh, Grapefruit League games, and uh, we're – about uh, three weeks away from the start of the season. So uh, I think this is a good time to kind of take stock of the team a little bit. Um, uh, The Atlanta Braves, they really don't have that many open spots. And I know people talk about left field, but it seems to me like it's going to be Eddie Rosario, unless he came up and, you know, and showed out as bad as he did last spring. I think it was his job to lose. And he's actually... He's making good contact and he's hitting the ball hard. So I don't think left field is necessarily a open, right? 
Yeah, I don't think that's. I think uh, I don't even know if they're even looking at them as needing a platoon partner. But if they are, then there's a few candidates out there that could be um, ready to go in that regard. Um, yeah, I think of the twenty-six man roster, you could probably get guess twenty-one of them right now, maybe even more. So there's not going to be a whole lot of drama here unless there's some unforeseen injuries. Yeah, and of course, you can go on our website, outfieldflyrule.com. We have our spring training player tracker with who we think is the has, is the odds-on uh, favorites right now and, and uh, to uh, take those spots in the infield. I mean, four of the five spots are essentially spoken for with Olsen, Albies, uh, Riley, and Orlando Arcia taking spots. And we have Vaughn Grissom right now at a 90% likelihood of, of making the roster. And if he does make the roster, it'll be as the starting shortstop. He will not be carried as a bench player. Yeah, and uh, that would be Arcia as one of the very few bench spots because, as we know, the um, teams have to carry 13 position players and nine of them are going to be in your lineup. So that only leaves four bench spots going forward, of which Arcia would be one of those. Right. Uh, we do have, uh, I guess, Adrianza is a 10% right now. Uh, and he's a little bit higher, I think, simply because he can play outfield. So if they decided they needed two infielders for whatever reason, uh, that's an option. But it seems like an unlikely one. Yeah, that could be a situation, let's say, if somebody has a nagging injury and uh, they just wanted some extra insurance that they would look to carry him on. But, I mean, I think they would like to keep him around one way or another. But I just... Uh, as of right now, uh, numbers game very well looks like it could get him. In the outfield, we got Acuna and Harris, obviously, at 100%. Rosario at 95%. Uh, a recent move up, Marcelo Zuna. Uh, we now have him at 95%. After Brian Snicker just came out and said, uh, Zuna's going to be part of the team. So that seemed fairly definitive. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the, the whole... Ozuna thing's just been weird this spring training so far. They're making him take all the bus trips across the state. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of hilarious, but kind of very strange at the same time. And he hasn't performed particularly well. But yeah, uh, it just seems like they're not willing to they're they're willing to look at possible upside rather than cutting loose thirty seven million dollars. So um, I think what will likely happens he'll be on the team. He'll DH for a while. But if they get to June and he's hitting like one eighty five or something like that, they might revisit the situation at that point. Yeah. And you know, the, the off field stuff aside, and I know that's hard to do, but if you, even if you're just looking at Azuna as a potential part-time player, you know, last year he did have 23 home runs in 124 games. Um, that's probably going to be better than anybody else that you're going to have on the roster. Right. So even if he's only getting, um, you know, part time at bats or or even even only plays in like 80 games or something like that with, you know, 250 some at bats, you're still looking at double digit home runs. Right. Yeah. Assuming he performs as poorly as he did last year. Right, and the big problem we had last year was against left-handed pitching. Like I think he had a, like a 44 WRC plus against lefties last year, and he had like a 111 against righties. I mean, he's very playable against right-handed pitching. Uh, but if he continues to hit like that against left-handers, and I mean, and that was not a small sample size. I think it was like 140 plate appearances or something like that. If he, if he if he can straighten that out, that could make him a potentially useful player. Yeah. So if Azuma has at least got a share of that DH and probably got a share of it with 
you know, whoever's not catching that day, right? Then that leaves two outfield spots uh, as, as bench spots. Um, and we have right now tentatively Kevin Pillar and Sam Hilliard getting those spots. Pillar with 75%, Hilliard with 70 Um Pillar just from simply from like the news that we're getting, it, like there's been a lot of, I think the athletic had a, had a thing and, and then the AJC had a thing touting his, you know, veteran presence, um, the best kind of presence. Um, it's, um, it just seems like there's an effort by the team to, <laughs> to uh, present Pilar as someone who's going to be on the club. Yeah. Um- as long as he's healthy and can produce even a little bit, I think he's going to be on the club. I mean, they, they don't have a. I mean, they got a lot of young players on this team, and I, I think they wouldn't mind having one extra veteran to go around. Especially, I mean, even though he's not going to be playing every day, I mean, he's probably still going to uh, get what about thirty percent of the starts in the outfield or somewhere around in there. So, I, th- I think it's a good spot for him in good situation. I mean, he he might not be around all season. This might be a, a Alex Dickerson type situation from last season, but uh, uh, I think they're going to give him every chance to um, produce and at $3 million a year, it's kind of a low risk gamble. Yeah. And then the other outfield spots, Sam Hilliard, we have at 70%. Uh, and that's over Eli White at 30% and Jordan Luplow over 30%. Now what's nice is that Pilar Hilliard and White, they're all performing pretty well early in spring. Now, obviously it's, it's early in spring, you know, they're not, they're not facing great pitching or anything like that. So, you, you know, take, take the numbers with a, with a lot of grains of salt, but certainly performing well is better than not performing well. And so far everybody's kind of risen to the task, but the main reason Hilliard, we have Hilliard here is he's just out of options and white and Leplo both have options. Yeah, and Luplo hasn't played yet. He's got an oblique injury, and, I mean, who knows when he'll play anytime soon. He's running out of time to really getting meaningful at bat. So I think either he'll start the season on the IL or the option to um, Gwinnett to start the season. Eli White's played very well so far, and, he, I mean, he already has tremendous defense and speed. So if they could make any kind of swing adjustments and see uh, how those are taking, uh, that he could possibly make the roster, but I think it may come down to Sam Hilliard not having any options. Um, and it, I, I don't think there's any chance they're able to sneak him through, especially if he has any kind of production at all in spring training. So I think they'll he'll end up making the team unless he just falls flat on his face um, over the next three weeks. Yeah. If somebody does get injured, um, you know, a Sam Hilliard, Eli White platoon actually could be pretty productive. I mean, at the plate, it's going to be, you know, okay. But defensively, that's that's a great platoon. Yeah, uh, having a uh, Acuna, um, Harris, White outfield out there would be ridiculously good on defense. I mean, Eli White, I think uh, he produced something like 0.9 F4 last season in uh, less than half a season, and that's with not being able to hit at all. I think he had like a, like a 62 WRC plus or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, but if he can make any kind of swing adjustments, I mean, nobody's asking him to be a, above league average or anything. If he could just get to like a 90 WRC plus, get to that uh, – Ender Enciarte level of hitting, he would be, have tremendous value. And, hit, you know, it, it's nice that all these guys, and I think this, you know, Alex Anthopoulos mentioned that they, they emphasize this. They wanted to get some strong defensive players as potential reserves here. Luplo, White, Hilliard, Pilar, all of them are plus defenders, at, especially in the corners. 
Luplo and especially White, probably the plus defenders in center field too. Yeah, and I think that was one of the problems I had with left. I mean, everybody knows how bad left field was. Uh, just at one of the worst value positions in the major leagues. And part of the reason for that was they weren't getting anything from the position offensively or defensively. And I think that's why Alex Anthopoulos is looking at it. like, hey, at least we can get defense out of the position. It's going to be an upgrade over last season. I mean, if Eddie Rosario gets anywhere near his normal self, that will take care of most of the problem right there. But if for some reason it doesn't, you got these other guys that can at bare minimum plate defense and provide some speed. And that would make it even an upgrade right now from last year. Yep. And then uh, at zero percent right now, um, in, you know, nobody is really at zero percent, but we're rounding right. So, uh, Magnaria Sierra is uh, we have at zero percent. And Matt, I feel like he's there. I feel like he might be like the Terrence Gore of of the <laughs> squad. Maybe he's there basically to be a pinch runner in the postseason? Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Gwinnett outfield shakes out. But he seems like a guy who could go down there and steal 50 to 60 bases this season and then come up in October or something like that. But, I mean, it seems like, I mean, it seems like they're stocking up on a lot of speed uh, to take advantage of the new, uh, the bigger st- the bigger bases and the pickoff, um, new pickoff rules. Uh, There's going to be a lot of stolen bases this season by this Atlanta Braves team. Speaking of stolen bases, uh, they think they have a real weapon to keep the other team from doing that. Sean Murphy at 100% behind catcher, Travis Derno with the other 100%. Uh, and then the third catcher, Chadwick Trump, 0%. In fact, he has already been optioned down as he had to leave early uh, to go play for the uh, team Netherlands for the uh, and the WBC. Uh, and I think they opened up against... Uh, Chinese Taipei, so they had to they had to travel uh, halfway around the world to go play some baseball games. So, uh, so he left I think March one. So they just went ahead and optioned him out. So it looks like once again they're going to go with the uh, two catcher situation. I know there was some speculation in some quarters that they might be go three catchers uh, and just one reserve outfielder. So that way that the you know, you could have Murphy or Darno DH every night and not worry about losing your second catcher, but uh, that's just that's not happening. No, the, lo- the lack of defensive versatility uh, probably puts a crimp into that because it's uh, Murphy doesn't play any of their positions. I don't believe Trump does, and I think uh, Darno can play some first base, but I mean that it would only be needed there in a pinch. So yeah, just having that extra catcher being there and wasting the roster spots, not the best use of the, the position, especially when you got several outfielders who are making a name for themselves pretty early on here in spring training. Yeah. So all in all, position players look pretty much set. I think the only the only drama it really is, is, is Jordan Leplaw going to, you know, have time to get himself into this mix or not for that um, – that fourth outfielder spot. Um, like I said, right now we think it's Pilar and Hilliard, but uh, certainly Eli White uh, is, is doing a really nice job and trying to make this decision hard, and, uh, and we're still waiting on Leplaw. All right, the rotation, um, Freed, Strider, 1-2. In fact, they've already got Freed pretty much set up to start opening day. Charlie Morton made his uh Spring debut, as, as usual, the veterans, they kind of can move at their own pace. So uh, Charlie just made his first start on, uh, was it Saturday or Sunday? I think it was Sunday, right? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, he looked pretty good. And then uh, Kyle Wright has not started yet. He's a little bit behind. Uh, assuming he catches up, we have him at 95% right now. The only thing that would hold him back was B is if he's not completely up to speed yet. Um, then the fifth starter spot, which is probably the most interesting battle right now. Um, Ian Anderson uh, had a really nice outing uh, coming on pitching uh, three innings after Morton. Um, his first outing was terrible. Uh, his second outing, he actually looked really good. The uh, fastball had a lot more life on it than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had that rough first start. The second start, I think, but we had two really good innings, and then the things kind of uh, went a little haywire in the in the third inning. But uh, he had a lot of defensive issues behind him that can contributing to that. But I think everybody right. involved was very happy with how uh, the start turned out because. Uh, the first start, I mean, he was testing out that new slider, uh, one of which was launched into the seats. Uh, didn't have anything like that happen this time around. So I think he's off to a, a decent start. And, of course, we're looking at Bryce Elder. And, I mean, he had a similar type situation. He had a, a bad first start and a really good second start against uh, the Houston Astros lineup, which did pretty well last season. So uh, they're kind of neck and neck at the moment, but I think uh, – all things being equal, I think they're going to choose Ian Anderson over Bryce Elder unless uh, Ian Anderson just kind of uh, falls apart. Yeah, I agree. And it was nice. The second start, it was actually on MLB.com. So, you you know, there's actually video of it where there really wasn't much of anything for his first start. So so the fastball had a lot of life on it. The changeup was good as usual. Um, he did he did throw the slider, especially a little bit in that in that third inning. Um, I, I won't say it's a great pitch right now, but it does give him something that kind of moves east-west instead of just north and south. Um, so it's a different look. Um, if he tightens it up a little bit, it could be a weapon. He was still throwing the curveball, too. I, I was wondering if when, when word got out that he was throwing the slider, I was wondering if he was going to um, ditch the curveball for the slider. Uh, this is actually something he did quite a bit in the minor leagues. He never really could settle on a, a secondary pitch. I, I know he threw a slider back when he was with on Rome, back with Rome, um, and then he got away from it. Um, so in some ways, this isn't really a new pitch. It's just he's bringing it back from from the old days. He might be throwing it differently or, or what have you. But um, it, it is a different look. It, it does the hitters will have to. We'll have to remember it and be on the lookout for it in case he throws it. So that's a good thing. But you know, for me, for Anderson, it all starts with the fastball. He's got to be able to locate it. He can't just throw it up and out of the strike zone. He's got to hit hit that top of the zone with it. And he was doing that on uh, Sunday. Yeah, because throwing 92, 93-mile-an-hour meatballs uh, it isn't going to do it for you, no matter what your secondary offerings are. Yeah. And then Bryce Elder, I haven't been able to see him much uh, in either of his starts, but the second one, you know, by all accounts was really good. Uh, Michael Soroka still hasn't been able to get onto, you know, into a game yet. He is apparently now throwing from a mound. Uh, so hopefully, maybe next week uh, he might get into a game or something. Uh, but it does seem increasingly unlikely that he'll be ready for opening day. We have him down at uh, 15% now. Uh, Colby Allard had a really nice start last time. He's kind of kind of like Elder and Anderson had kind of one bad, one good start. Uh, his fastball, I think, was touching ninety four, 
Um, and his secondaries reportedly were looking pretty good. So I don't know. Um, I don't think Allard really has a shot, but he's putting himself to be kind of the next guy up, uh, depending on uh, how the uh, how the fifth star spot shakes out. Yeah, and he had that a good, uh, really good appearance against uh, New York Mets um, starting lineup. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a it was really impressive. Uh, I don't see any chance he gets on the team to start the season, but I mean they'll just kind of keep him in storage at that. He'll be on the forty man roster and ready to pay, make spot starts if needed. Yep. And then Darius Vines and Dylan Dodd, uh, both doing a great job. And uh, we both have them at 5%. Those are mostly there for in case they they might be needed in the bullpen. I don't see them in a fifth starter uh, right now. They'll almost certainly go back to Gwinnett and probably, um, you know, be available for later in the year. But uh, uh, any time that you're able to pitch well in front of the, the big guys is good. And uh, they remember it. And uh, we've seen that the Braves are not hesitant to bring those kind of guys up if they perform. Especially in the case of Vines, he's on the 40-man roster. He could go at any time. Uh, but, yeah, Dylan Dodd is an impressive uh, spring training so far. Uh, two games, four and a third innings, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. One thing to kind of keep in mind with this is that these guys, uh, especially Dodd and Vines, have a lot of experience with the pitch clock. So I'm wondering if that might be kind of giving them at least a little bit of a slight advantage early on in spring training. I'm going to see how kind of that equalizes as uh, spring training goes along and the veterans start getting used to a pitch clock if that ability changes. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this, uh, Matt, but um, last time Dodd pitched afterwards – Brian Snicker was talking about how much he loved Dylan Dodd and how much he pitched. And of course we absolutely called that the last, our last podcast, right? That this is Dylan Dodd's the kind of guy that Brian Snicker falls in love with. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't doubt that Dodd will have an impact on this team at some point this season, but I think he's only had, he had one triple A start last season. And this, uh, I know the Braves love, have shown in recent memory um, the ability to bring players up from double A uh, straight to the major leagues, but those are position players. Uh, pitchers are a whole different story. He's got that one, one start at the end of last season at triple A and that's it. Uh, I think they'll send him back down get some more seasoning uh, and come summertime. I think he'll be in line to be called up to uh, make some an impact on the Braves. Yeah. And, you know, Jared, uh, Jared Schuster, I, I should mention, kind of in that same boat. He's he's pitched well when he's had the opportunity as well. Roderick Munoz has looked good in the games he's had. Now, obviously, these guys are getting in later in the games when the when the uh, teams have usually switched out to their mostly minor leaguers. So, you know, again, take all that with a grain of salt. But pitching better is better than not pitching. But I don't know. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what that Gwinnett rotation looks like. There are so many pitchers. Um, I mean, you got Dodd, Vines, Schuster, um, Elder, um, Soroka, Allard. I mean, that's six right off the top of my head. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, obviously, they've got, especially in the case of uh, Soroka, I mean, he probably won't be uh, ready to go uh, for any real length to start off with. I wouldn't be surprised if they piggybacked him off somebody else initially to help. Uh, alleviate that log jam yeah i'm still not convinced they won't go they won't do a uh, kind of a quasi six-man rotation kind of through april like they did last year where just in weeks where they don't have an off day and i think they start off i think they go about two weeks without an off day to start the season uh they slide somebody up from Gwinnett to make a, a 
spot start there. Yeah, it's very likely. Um, and then, of course, Equinette, you got the six day, six game series that they've been doing for a while now. So, uh, I mean, you got room to do a six man rotation if you really wanted to do that. Yeah, and I can't help but notice, I, you know, we weren't going to talk about these guys too much, but they did make a few signings um, of some veteran pitchers. You know, some of them have major league experience, some of them don't, but at least a couple of them have some starting experience there. Um, uh, Matt Swarmer is one of those guys. Uh, last year, he he started five games in the, in the minor leagues, and then uh, you know, just a just a few extra arms down there. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily for the major leagues, but I think they are there to fill in Connor Johnstone style for when a uh, when a, a starter gets yanked up, kind of uh, out, you know out of nowhere, right? Yeah, and you, get, you still got to fill out the bullpen down there too. I mean, they're going to have some arms down uh, at, at um, Gwinnett. I mean, you got uh, Brooks Wilson who was already uh, sent back down to the minor leagues. You got the guys on the forty man roster like Seth Elledge and Michael Tonkin. So uh, there's there's already some high end relievers that will be at Gwinnett, but um, obviously you got to fill in some spots around them as well. Yeah. Well, speaking of the bullpen, uh, let's let's talk about them real quick. So eight spots, and it looks like probably. At least seven are spoken for. Iglesias Mentor, Colin McHugh, uh, Lucas Lucky, Joe Jimenez. You know, that's five, certainly. Dylan Lee, I think, has a spot. I think the, some people are talking about maybe he doesn't simply because he has options. But I don't think that's the way the Braves operate. I think Dylan Lee is certainly one of the eight best guys. And after putting in performance that he did last year, I don't see them sending him back down. I don't know what your thoughts on that, Matt. I agree with that one. I, th- I think people are overthinking it. Um, plus, uh, early on the season, like you mentioned, they have to play uh, some ridiculous stretch of games before they get any real amount of time off. You're going to need guys in that bullpen who can go multiple innings. Dylan Lee fits in that category. So, I mean, although he has options, I mean, he had a very good performance for the team last season. And he can, if you need him to go out there and pitch two innings in the middle of the game, he can very well do that as well. They don't. Have, they, they've got a few guys out there that can put, pitch multiple innings. Uh, McHugh's going to be one of those kind of guys. Uh, I think Joe Jimenez did uh, some multi-inning appearances last season. And obviously, Jesse Chavez, if he makes the team, will uh, fit there as well. But, I mean, you're going to need um, guys to fill in. Let's say if, if Ian Anderson does make the team and gets knocked out in the third inning of his first start, you got to be able to fill in those innings. And you got to have the right mix of players to, to not completely uh, torture bullpen during that game. So that's six guys. That's two more spots. And that leaves Kirby Yates, who I think is going to get one of the spots. And then the last one would be Jesse Chavez, Nick Anderson, uh, Jackson Stevens, who we haven't seen yet uh, this spring. And then you got guys like uh, Colby Allard, you know, really someone like Darius Vines might fit in there, especially if they're really concerned about filling innings in the middle. Um, Michael Tonkin is still in the mix here. I really feel like it's between Chavez and Nick Anderson, and both those guys have looked really good. Yeah, I think so, too. Nick Anderson's looked really good, but in his case, I think it could come down to the fact he has options. You've got to have just the right mix of pitchers. I mean, you already got um, the first few guys we mentioned. Tyler, I mean, not Tyler, Kirby Yates. I mean, yeah, I think he's basically a given. He's making $6 million this season, um, and they're going to give him every opportunity to uh, perform. He's, he's not the... Uh, Yates of old, where he was closing in the most dominant 
relievers in baseball, but he could possibly fill in like a seventh inning type spot and kind of like uh, Colin McHugh does. So I think he's got a definite spot on this squad. I Like I said, I think he's down to Chavez and Anderson. I think they'll pick Chavez. Obviously, he doesn't have any options, but also uh, he's a guy who can come in, pitch two, three innings in the middle of the game if needed. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's who I've got right now. Um, obviously, it's still you know relatively early in the spring, so um, let's say or injuries will happen. So um, whatever we say now will probably be um, uh, worthless in, within a few days for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, speaking of injuries, uh, there was a bad one. One of the prospects, the uh, second round draft pick in twenty twenty two. Uh, Blake Burkhalter, after uh, pitching two pretty good innings um, in his uh, spring debut, uh, a few days later throwing um, tore his UCL. So um, he is actually going to be out for the spring. Uh, you know, really, um, really bad setback for him. Who uh, a guy who appeared to uh, have been making a good impression in camp. Yeah. Um- after that appearance, they went ahead and re-signed him to minor league camp, and I was thinking that, okay, they just want to get him stretched out to get ready to start, but obviously it was for a whole different reason, but it's a shame, but I guess the timing's, I mean, the timing's never good, obviously, for Tommy John, but you really can't do much better than this and that he'll lose out on this season, but it shouldn't go really too far into next season, so 2024, he'll be right back in the saddle again, hopefully. Yeah, and like I said, he he made a really nice impression. Uh, Brian Snicker was uh, was heaping praise on him. And I don't think it was just because the kid got injured. I think uh, I think he did make a good impression. So uh, so we'll see uh, uh, Mr. Burkhalter next year. Uh, also uh, reassigned to uh, minor league camp, Brooks Wilson and uh, Roel Ramirez. Ramirez did make uh, an appearance this spring, and I'm sure we'll see him again as a fence jumper. Uh, Brooks Wilson's still making his way back from Tommy John surgery. He had it, I guess, probably about a year ago at this point. So he's probably throwing, but not really quite ready for competition yet. So he'll go over to minor league camp and, and keep uh, Keep getting, you know, keep throwing, keeps building up that arm strength, and I'm sure we'll see him earlyish in the season, uh, either in Gwinnett or Mississippi. Yeah, and in the case of Ramirez, I think uh, he had a Chadwick Trump type situation where he was he's playing in the WBC um, for Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, he had to ship out early as well. So uh, I imagine he'll start the season in Gwinnett, but I mean he's got uh, some experience and uh, some pretty good stuff, so we may very well see him in Atlanta this season. So this coming week, I expect to see some more guys uh, be reassigned to Meyerly Camp. Might see some different guys as fence jumpers, maybe some guys from the uh, kind of lower levels popping in later in games as uh, the Major League coaching staff will try to want to get as look at as many guys as possible. So... Um, so th- for minor league purposes, that's always interesting to see who gets selected for that. Uh, and typically it's people who are showing out on the minor league side of camp. You know, people that are doing good, they get rewarded by uh, going over to the other side and uh, getting a shot in front of the big league coaching staff. Yeah, and there's already a few guys that have made some appearances here. Uh, Braden Shoemake's gotten uh, 12 bats in, done pretty well for himself so far. Uh, Cal Conley's got a good amount of playing time. Luke Waddell, good to see that he's healthy and he's getting some play time as well. Um, I did see that Cal Conley has kind of gotten some a uh, lot of second base time uh, early on mm-hmm. here in spring training. So I'm kind of wondering if they may uh, use that combo at Mississippi with uh, Conley playing second and Waddell playing short. So uh, 
that's a possibility seeing that even early on. And uh, uh, Justin Dean's had a, a pretty nice spring training so far. He's gone six for 12, uh, two walks, uh, five stolen bases early on, and uh, uh, OPS of 11.55. So uh, pretty nice uh, look for Dean. And also he had a pretty nice uh, outfield assist as well. So, yeah, he, he's turning a few heads there uh, early in spring training. Uh, Cody Millions also done a nice job um, in his opportunities. Um, yeah, it's the the um, the prospects are acquitting themselves pretty well. Uh, Ryan Castile has been doing a really nice job, getting a lot of playing time at first base, um, usually in relief of uh, Matt Olson. Um, as for Connolly moving around the diamond, Waddell has been as well. I've seen Waddell at short and at third. Connolly's been at second and third. I mean, I think, you know, Conley's shown he can play short, but I wouldn't be surprised in Mississippi if they were kind of move those guys around pretty regularly, trying to keep them ready in case they're needed, right? Um, I think we think Conley and Waddell probably are both, their ceiling is probably utility infielder, right? So why not have them trained to be utility infielders? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of positional versatility at Mississippi this year, especially if uh, uh, um, Milligan's still there playing uh, second base and outfield. Yeah, I wonder if his infield days are over. I mean, he's only played outfield so far this spring. Uh, I think if they wanted to showcase his versatility, he would have played at least a little bit of second base by now. But I don't know, just a feeling. It could be instead of moving between second base and center field, it may just be moving around different outfield spots. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, in Mississippi, you're also probably going to have Cade Bunnell, who uh, <laughs> can play all the four infield positions. And you you may still have Raleigh Delgado, too, who plays, you know, second, short, and, and third. So that's – and you're probably going to have Hudson Potts there as well, who was a free agent signing who plays first and third. So that's that's a lot of – that, that's a lot of interchangeable parts, I think, that uh, you can mix and match. And, you know, whoever performs well, you know, get a shot at higher levels. Yeah, it could be like it was towards the end of the season for Gwinnett last year. It seemed like a lot of days they were just picking players and positions out of a hat. Just call a guy up to the, the front of the room and say, pick your position out of a hat and pick your spot in the batting order out of this other hat. So it could be a similar yeah. situation in Mississippi, just moving guys all over the diamond every night. You know, there's Bo Phillip, too. I mean, it's about time he got moved up to Mississippi. I mean, he's been in Rome for, what, two and a half seasons at this point, right? So, and he can play any any infield position as well. So, yeah, it's great to be versatile. Um, and, uh, like I said, it wouldn't be surprising if one of these guys ends up as a, as a utility guy in, in Atlanta at some point. And you never know what they can become from there. That's what Martin Prado was only supposed to be a, you know, a, a, a utility infielder, and you know he's one of the greatest Braves. So um, we'll see what happens with these guys. Do I think any of these guys are Martin Prado? No, but to be honest, I didn't think Martin Prado was going to be Martin Prado <laughs> until he was. No, but if you can get to an MLB paycheck and be the twenty fourth, twenty fifth man on the roster, that's a pretty nice career. As a wise man once said, it's better than working for Sears. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe these days, obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Anything else you want to talk about, Matt? No, uh, I think we're um, off to a good start. Uh, first, I mean, it seems like it's spring training, of course, obviously much longer, especially than last year, but uh, it's already starting to kind of sneak up on us. I believe opening day is three weeks from Thursday. Or mm-hmm. from, yeah, th- yeah, three weeks from Thursday. So, I mean, it's, it's sneaking up here pretty quick. But each of the starter starting pitchers should be able to get probably about four more starts in. So, uh, still a long way to go. I'm sure the, the, especially the big guys will kind of pace themselves. And we'll see a whole lot of uh, the likes of Anderson, Elder, and uh, I believe um, uh, Jared Schuster is supposed to be starting on Tuesday. So, we'll see guys like that. Uh, probably more so than this year. They'll wait as long, long as possible to send guys back to minor league camp just because they've got so many innings and games to fill over the next couple of weeks. I agree. All right, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up, and we'll be back at you. I don't know. We want to do this again next week? Yeah, especially if something actually happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe next week, maybe two weeks. We'll see. And until then, uh, hope everybody has a great week. All right, have a good one. No. Le bien qu'on m'a fait, ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien égal. Non, rien de rien. Non, je ne regrette rien. C'est payé. Allumer le feu, mes chagrins, mes plaisirs, je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours, je repars à zéro. Ça commence